Christ is risen. He is risen In the name of our risen Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So that you might be filled with the joy and the peace of the risen Christ, I will begin this way. Did you ever notice that there's a certain result every time you try to build a sandcastle at the beach? Try as you might, but sooner or later the tide will rise, the waves will come in and wash away your castle. Because of the pull of the moon on the Earth's oceans, there are tides, and the necessity of a tide coming in is something you cannot stop. It's absolutely necessary, and you cannot stop it. Nor can you stop the necessity of spring happening, and we're noticing that more and more each day. Likewise, you cannot stop the necessity of summer, fall, or winter. The very nature of our planet and our location in the Chicagoland area makes four seasons absolutely necessary. You can't stop it. It's going to happen. There's a lot of necessity going on with nature, and you cannot stop what's going on in nature. But there's another type of necessity to add to that. It's the necessity of a mother loving her newborn daughter, or the necessity of a father running across the kitchen to prevent his little boy from touching the hot stove. There's no college course to teach a mother to want to hold her little baby, or a week-long training seminar for a father to protect his young one. For every parent, it is necessary to love and to protect their children. So we listen again to the angel's message to the women at the tomb. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. Not only did the resurrection of Jesus from the dead happen, it had to happen. There was a divine necessity for Jesus to rise from the dead. Later on Easter, Jesus walks with two disciples to Emmaus. They don't recognize Jesus. <clears throat> they believe that he was still dead, though they had heard the woman's report of the resurrection. Jesus says to them, Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophet had spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter his glory. And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he interpreted to them all from the scriptures, all the things concerning himself. Still later on Easter, Jesus appeared to his disciples and he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of, of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and to said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is no accident. It was not plan B 
because Jesus got himself into trouble and then got himself killed because of his messing around with the scribes and the Pharisees. No, this is God's plan. This is the divine necessity. All the weight of holy scriptures are behind the resurrection. All the weight of God's mighty hand is behind the resurrection. It had to happen. It had to happen because nothing can stop God Almighty, His will. More than that, it had to happen because of God's nature being gracious and merciful, and it was His desire that salvation be given through Jesus. Nothing can stop God from being gracious and loving. The resurrection is more than an act of power. It is an act of grace and love for you. The eternal Son of the Father, the creator of the heavens and the earth in six days, who created all of life, who made Adam and Eve in his image, considered it absolutely necessary to become man, to live in humility in Galilee, to die on the cross in the place of sinners, and to be raised from the dead so that there would be eternal life. His love is so great that it was necessary to become man, to sacrifice his life, and to blaze the path to eternal life with his resurrection. To understand this great divine necessity of Christ's death and resurrection for you, consider a longer illustration. A father has a son. This son is 13 years old. One night, the, the son sneaks out of his room and finds a bottle of wine. He guzzles the bottle of wine and then steals his father's brand new car and crashes it a mile from the house. The boy is badly injured with multiple broken bones and is taken immediately to the hospital. What's the father going to do? Just let the boy lie in the hospital? It's his fault after all. No, the father's going to do everything he can to make sure his boy is made whole again. He will pay any expense to make sure the boy gets a proper surgery and rehab. He will visit his son in the hospital and make sure that his son knows his love. He will care for him, love him, and when his son asks for forgiveness, the father will indeed forgive his son. Now this story does not do justice to God's grace and, his divine, and the divine necessity of Easter. As bad as the boy was in the story, we are worse. Out of grace, God made everything perfect. He desired there to be a perfect harmony with himself and with Adam and Eve. But they rebelled against him and brought death and disease into God's perfect creation. We too are sinners. It is all too evident that our every thought and deed is not dedicated to loving the Lord with all our heart, soul, and might, that we do not always and in every way consider how to love and care for our neighbor. It is evident that the love of God often is ignored in our day-to-day -day pursuit of what we want and what we think we must have. Our rebellion against God is great. The perfect harmony between us and God is impossible for us to achieve on our own again. Our sin is far worse than wrecking our father's new car. In the story, the boy is injured badly. In real life, sin separates from God so much that 
apart from being in Christ, we are dead in our trespasses and sin and subject to an eternity apart from God. And our God, though, is even more loving than the Father in the story. Our God not only wants us back with him, he wants us to be forever with him in a new creation so that there is no more death, no more disease, no more despair, and no more dread for the future. His love is so great that it was absolutely necessary to send his son for you and for me. God the Father did far more than pay for the best surgeons and the best therapy for true healing. He sent his son to pay the whole price for our sins. God's own son humbled himself to walk the dusty roads of Galilee and Judea. God's own son traveled to Jerusalem knowing that his back would be whipped, his hands nailed to a cross, and that he would die for your sins and mine. The loving divine necessity that propelled Jesus to the cross is beyond our comprehension. We can only praise and cling to Jesus and rejoice in his forgiveness. And since our loving Father wants us to be completely whole and have healthy bodies, never subject again to death, he raised his son Jesus from the dead. And Jesus is still risen from the dead, just as he was that first Easter, and he always will be your risen Lord. God's loving divine necessity is that he will raise up all the saints at the last day for eternal life with him. At Easter, you see how much God is compelled to love you and to rescue you from sin, death, and hell and win for you eternal life. It was absolutely necessary because of his love and grace to give you Jesus. And this divine necessity brought about then in the book of Acts, the preaching of the gospel and the administration of the sacraments for your sake. You see prominently, and this is very prominent in the Gospel of Luke and in the book of Acts, God's loving and gracious divine necessity. On Pentecost, you see 3,000 who did not know Jesus, but when confronted with Jesus being raised from the dead and being their Lord and Christ, they were led to total repentance and to be baptized into Christ in his death and his resurrection. You then hear in Acts 2.42, what was the normal life of faith for those who were brought from spiritual death to being alive to God in Christ Jesus through the waters of baptism? Acts 2.42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. There is a certain necessity in living as a Christian you desire to hear the Lord's word, to be in the divine service weekly with your fellow saints, to receive the body and blood of our Lord, and to pray with your fellow saints to your loving Heavenly Father. The week-to-week -week gathering of the saints to receive from the Lord his blessings is not a burden, but a joyful practice, a joyful necessity. So those who first believed in Christ's resurrection saw it, and so it continues to this very day. There is nothing like the joy of knowing how much the Heavenly Father has given you out of his divine necessity to you in Christ Jesus. Today, this service is the high point of the year. In Christ's resurrection, you see the awesome power of God. You see the awesome grace and love of God 
You see the necessity of God in action. The very nature of God is that he had to make his salvation known. And here it is. Jesus Christ is crucified for you. Jesus Christ is risen for you. This day, soak it in, my brothers and sisters. Soak in every little word from your loving Lord this day. Soak in every last stanza being sung today. Soak in every last note played for our Lord today. Soak in the beauty of being in the Lord's house with your fellow saints today. What a day it is to rejoice in the Lord. Our God loves you so much that he wanted to send his son to die and rise again for you. Our God loves you so much that he had to send his son to die and rise for you. Rejoice. Our God loves you so much that there is an eternal heavenly home awaiting for you. Rejoice and praise our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is risen. We rise for prayer.